it's really not only about protecting your customer data, but you're also protecting yourself. You don't want to open yourself up to a potential lawsuit because you're disregarding certain aspects of data security and integrity for your customer. Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Brittany Brown and Rob Winters. I met these guys recently and they had some really interesting products and services that although they may not seem to apply to compliance professionals, I think they do. So I asked them if they would come on the podcast, talk about what they do and see where all of this might go. So guys, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. So I was wondering if you could both introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about your background and what your current roles are. Yeah. My name is Brittany Brown, and I am the co-founder of Digitive, which is a marketing and website design agency. And I have a background in corporate. I was in leadership for about eight years and decided that I wanted to kind of go out on my own and venture off. And I've known Rob for a very long time, almost 20 years, which is kind of crazy to talk about. But we have worked on and off on different projects throughout the years and ended up in 2020 on a project together and kind of decided that we needed to start our own business. And that kind of led into digital being created. And I am the business officer. So Rob, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I am Rob Winters. And Brittany, thank you for dating us both and letting everybody know how uh, long running our friendship is and deep our wrinkles are. I am the technology officer. My background, previously, I was with an agency and we really focused in that company on nonprofits. So When Brittany and I launched Digitive, we saw an opportunity to take a lot of what we were doing in that space around web development and marketing and not just do it with nonprofits, but take that to the small business space. So during 2020, when we were all shut up in our homes, Brittany and I were in Puerto Rico together. At the time, I lived down there. Beautiful place if you've never been. And we spent the summer really coming up with the concept of Digitive. And that is really how we launched it. So one of the things that intrigued me about your story is I've talked to maybe half a dozen entrepreneurial types who started a company because they were either friends with other co-founders or just clicked. And so I'm really intrigued when, you know, two people say, hey, let's see what we can do together and see what we can come up with. So that's sort of part one of my next question. And part two is you started to talk about this little Rob, what market opportunity, what market need, what kind of niche did you guys see that you could bring your different skill sets to a wide variety or a wider audience? I think Brittany and I, we complement each other very well. And I mean, people say opposites attract. We are very similar in the sense that we're both A-type personalities, but we have completely different skill sets in the sense I'm much more the techie nerd. I do all the backend stuff. Brittany is much more front of house. She does a lot of the customer service. She's really there taking care of the clients. So we wanted to take more of a concierge approach. So that's where Digitive, the small business approach or servicing those types of companies or organizations is really the direction we went versus going larger scale corporations. So we do have some clients that are also in the nonprofit sector, and they're probably on the larger side for us. 
But because we're small and nimble, we can give them much more attention than they're getting, we feel, with larger competitors. Brittany, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that the thing about Rob and I is that we both have had different experiences, but I think ultimately think that the customer service piece of it has been missing from the company that I worked for, as well as the agency space that Rob came from. And that's really been our focus. And we also had a podcast that we launched to kind of help with our business. And that's been kind of fun. And we've kind of moved into the podcast space as well by opening another portion of our company up to software, which has been a really fun adventure as well. So one of the things that really intrigued me in doing a little research on Digitive was that you listed data management as a service. And the reason that intrigued me so much is in my world, data management is highly critical. It's not just management, though. It's data governance. It's data storage. It's data security. It's data privacy. One of the things I'm often asked is, when is it a time for a startup to get a compliance program? And I say, as soon as possible. And that leads me to want to ask you guys, when is the time for a company to seriously think about data management? And why did you guys identify that as a key service offering for clients that may think, hey, we're really too small to worry about data management? Everybody should start thinking about it sooner than they do. Usually when we're interacting with somebody, I'll pick on their websites. If we're building a new website, there is some amount of customer data in there, whether it is from sales or you've been collecting emails, especially small businesses. And let's say they're on the WordPress platform. It's very easy to collect that information from people. You can put up a box where you can let them put in their name and email. A lot of companies don't even invest in getting the SSL certificate on their website. So their website's not secure. And then it makes it very easy for potential hackers to get in there. So a lot of small businesses or even small nonprofits, they don't think about it because they think data is just safe and fine where it's at. And they're almost letting it, assuming it's self-managing, which it's not. So once we engage, we want to make sure there is a plan in place, particularly around security and making sure any customer information that we're touching or that we're storing, one, you're following best practices that you're following whatever your local legal practices and guidelines are. There are different rules, especially if we start to get into marketing. GDRP is really big in Europe. It hasn't hit the US necessarily, but just how we're putting data into your system, into your CRM tools, we do want to think about it sooner than a lot of small businesses really do. I'm going to have to jump in here and say, bless you, my son, to get that message to your <laughs> customers, for you guys to talk about GDRP as a key element that people my size need to be thinking about, and let alone scaling up from there. It really communicates to me that, number one, the importance of that, but the message of the importance of that has gotten out as well. So I really commend you guys for having that as a service offering and counseling people. It's a key regulatory element, but it's also a key business differentiator because I talk to a lot of certification companies in this space, and obviously the need for certification can be critical if you work for the federal government or do work with the government or a large company. So I'm glad you guys are really getting that message out. Can I ask, do people really understand it when you explain it both on the legal regulatory side and the business case side, or is it they just don't understand it yet? Or is it really an ongoing conversation? It's ever evolving. So sometimes when we bring the conversation up, it's deer in the headlights. There's this look of, 
What are you talking to me about? Why do I have to do this? In general, most people are receptive once you start to explain there could be legal ramifications down the road. It's really not only about protecting your customer data, but you're also protecting yourself. You don't want to open yourself up to a potential lawsuit because you're disregarding certain aspects of data security and integrity for your customer. Even if our clients don't understand, they get on board and we kind of just handhold them through the process. We are really doing the bulk of the work and it's just re-articulating what we're doing and why we're doing it over and over again. And eventually they come around to really being receptive and understanding the why versus just saying, okay, do it to do it. And I will say just on top of that, that a lot of our clients initially, I think, aren't being talked to about this with other people. And so we're usually the first people that bring it up and they probably talking to three or four other agencies. And so that also helps with like a layer of trust that they have in us that we're educating them without even them being our client initially. So I think that that's part of the process too. And a lot of them don't ask a ton of questions. They just trust that we know what we're doing and that as long as we're in compliance, they feel good about it. Brittany, let me pick up a point on that you talked about a little bit, which was that you guys at Digitive have started your own podcast, but you've also started sort of an adjunct business service line around podcasting. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So Rob and I started our podcast just out of being able to talk to other entrepreneurs. It kind of just became a fun thing for us and turned into actually kind of a good business model for us because entrepreneurs that we had interviewed on our podcast have come back to us and it has generated revenue that way for us. But once you run out of contacts that you've reached out to, it's then kind of a little bit harder to find people to be on your podcast. And then when you do find people to be on your podcast, the back and forth of trying to get them on your show, emailing back and forth, trying to get it scheduled can be kind of frustrating. So we kind of talked about how do we solve this problem? That's what Rob and I do. We're definitely big problem solvers. And one of our favorite things to collaborate on is it problems. So we kind of just looked at the app, which is PodOps. And it's basically like a dating service for podcast hosts and guests to really connect and get interviews scheduled. So kind of a fun little feature, the swiping right and left and We've had a good reception to it, so we're, we're excited about it. Let me turn to podcasts themselves. You guys obviously have a podcast, but why do you advocate clients and your clients and potential customers should have not simply a podcast, but even a podcast strategy? Yeah, the thing about podcasting is that it can add a dimension to your brand that you don't get from print or from social media. So people really can get to know what your brand stands for, the things that you're focused on. And I think it really just helps build that base out for you to have really committed clients to you. And I'll let Rob kind of talk about the marketing strategy behind that. Yeah, and going off of what Brittany said, it's sharing some of that personality. For us, our podcast, Digitive the Podcast, it was a way for us to really share some of the tips and tricks we learned as a small business. Taxes are a great one. The first year we had to file business taxes something we've never done. It was a nightmare. It was terrible. It really, really sucked. But we learned lots of things. And so that was, you know, an episode where we shared, these are the questions we should have spoken to the accountant about sooner. These are things we should have done. We should have filed this paperwork. We should have tracked this differently. And that's how our podcast originally started before we even got into the entrepreneur component. And it was just a way to open ourselves up in a new channel because we had a pretty strong content strategy already where we're very on top of getting blogs out every week 
Our social media is very up to date across a number of different channels. But between the two of us, we're not individually highly active on social. So the company and the people that we are don't always resonate. So podcasts really gave us an opportunity to bring ourselves forward more with the company and show people a little bit more of our personalities outside of just, we build websites and do your marketing. So let me pick your brain then a little bit. What do you guys believe that are the three most important components to a successful podcast? Or perhaps the better question might be, what are the three things that have worked for you all? I'd say the number one thing for us is a goal or a purpose of the podcast. We see a lot of people, even with our own clients, they come in with the idea of a podcast would be fun. And it can be fun, but it's a lot of work. So number one, you have to have a purpose for your podcast. Another thing I think is being knowledgeable in the topic and having hosts that are engaged in that topic. Obviously, the way that you have a comedy podcast is not the same way you're going to have a business podcast. So I think being in tune with what your listeners need and what that looks like for the topic that you're podcasting about. Okay, I've got something matter expert and engaged. Now, number three. Sound quality. If you have poor sound quality or you're not good at production, you're going to turn me off so quickly. Okay, let me talk about number three, because I have struggled with this one, usually because of the guest, not YouTube, but usually because the guest can't get good sound quality. But frankly, what I found was with the pandemic and with Zoom calls and with team calls and with every other form of virtual meetings, the sound quality requirement that I was taught in podcasts sort of pre-pandemic didn't seem to be as critical because we had all gotten used to a level of a lower level of sound quality. Does that resonate at all? Or you really still think that's significantly important, Rob? During the pandemic, we definitely let the quality come down and we're more accepting. There are even some podcasts I listen to. There's a language one I listen to that they gave brief announcements at the start of their episodes during 2020 and 2021 pointing out that the sound quality was reduced and that stories might sound worse than usual. It's still really important. And even for podcasts that we produce for clients, and Brittany does the production, so I'll let her speak more to that. A lot of time goes into it. And there are times where it's unavoidable that it does sound less than what you'd like it to. And you do as much as you can. But still, you know, we strive for the best possible sound we can get. Okay. Now I'm going to raise a question that actually I got asked this morning on a call about a new podcast, and it involves transcripts. Some people advocate having transcripts. Others, me being one of them, find, number one, I post on Megaphone, and there's a 4,000-word character limit, so I oftentimes cannot get the full transcript in. Two, I understand SEO search and engagement in that direction, but I've never met anyone who said they actually read a transcript. On the flip side of that, some people believe it's absolutely critical one for the SEO basis alone. But I just wondered what you all's thoughts on transcripts and podcasts one way or the other. Yeah, I think that they are going to be a necessity. I think that you're going to see them adopted because of ADA compliance. So I do know that there was a court case with SiriusXM because they did not have transcripts on their podcasts. So I think that that's something in the future that's really going to be a requirement. Right now, it is nice to have. I do think that they serve a lot of purpose. You touched on the SEO. It adds things to your website that you can't get otherwise. So that's 
a big part of it, but I do think with ADA being the way that it is and that we're going to continue to see it expanded, transcripts are going to be a necessity in the future. Recently, Facebook announced they would no longer be accepting podcasts on their site. Does that really mean anything to the podcast community? I don't think it really means a ton. It takes away some convenience. It is nice to have your RSS feed just port your podcast over. I think for most of us, it just means we're going back to the good old days of you've got to do the work and post your episodes all on your own if you want to get them out there. Okay. Let me turn to the veiled land of the future. And where do you guys see not simply the services that you're really providing, but content marketing and other mechanisms for small entrepreneurs to get their story out and utilize non-traditional forms of marketing to really get to the marketplace? Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity. We kind of touched on this earlier. For us, podcasts unintentionally became a way to market ourselves to prospective clients. As we interviewed people, they ended up coming back to us later for services, which was great. And we realized there was something there. We've also used our podcast to really go out into the community. I live in Baltimore. Brittany lives in Georgia. One thing we did this past year is we wanted to have a kind of a get together of small businesses. So we podcasted about it, but then we truly pounded the pavement. We literally printed up podcast signs and we flyered the neighborhood putting them up all over the place to get people together. Not a conventional method. You know, it's not traditional print marketing or print advertising. But I think for small businesses, as you're thinking through your content strategy, a lot of times you might not have the budget. So you can't spend the way a big brand can spend on, you know, TV ads or print media. So it's using social, it's using your podcast to get your information out there and get it in front of new people as much as you possibly can. So guys, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering before we leave, if any of our listeners wanted more information on Digitive, if they wanted more information on any of the subject you've talked about in this podcast or more information on yourself, what would be the best place for them to go? Digitive.pro, and that's D-I-G-I-T-I-V.pro. That's our website. You can find us there. And the podops.com is about the app. So if you have any questions about that, please reach out to us there. Well, guys, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. And thank you, Brittany, for reaching out to me. It's been great to meet you guys. And I look forward to meeting you in person soon. Yes, I look forward to it. Thank you so much. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review. 